Welcome to another edition of the BobbyCast from Bobby's house, from Bobby's mouth. Bobby will join us soon with special guest, Trainer Ahmad, 5,000 watts. And now, clap your hands for Bobby Bones. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Man, that makes it so nice today. Thank you very much. Uh, in the room today, producer Mike D. What up, Mike? What up? And also in the room today, uh, trainer Ahmad. Also, no, not stage. It's 5,000 watts. What up, Mike? Chilling, chilling, chilling. What's going on? So here's what's happening today as we record the BobbyCast episode two, is that there was a major flood in my house yesterday. If you heard the radio show, I talked about it a bit. Where I came home, and I couldn't drive all the way to my house because there were fire trucks everywhere. And when you see fire trucks, you never really assume it's at your place. You always assume it's at a place near you. And so, especially living downtown, there are so many places that could have had a fire or something could have went wrong. That Of course, it's not my place that's being flooded. I mean, of all the places, it's not my place that has a fire that's being flooded. And I get there, and it's my place. And it wasn't me who did it. My neighbor who's doing construction, banging on pipes, busted a pipe, flooded all the way down uh, through many floors. Luckily, I'm on the top floor, and it came through the side of mine. So, and, and I'll tell you what's happening there in a minute, but I just talked to some of the guys. One of the guys lost like a, a priceless guitar to him. Like mm-hmm. his, his stuff is destroyed. Water's on everybody's floors. And most of us have wood floors and there's water underneath all the wood and it's starting to bubble. And listen, it's not the end of the world, but the world is a little bit annoying right now because they're like, hey, we have to get started on your place immediately if it can be saved. So what's happening right now as we do this episode two, is that there's a team of people that have decided to move into my bedroom and they've put dehumidifiers and fans and mats and they put it up against a wall. Hopefully, I don't have to lose a wall. Hopefully, I don't have to lose the floor. The floor is already starting to come up a bit. And so I was like, oh, great. So it's going to take about an hour or so. And they were like, uh, but it's going to take a week. And I'm like, a week? I'm like, how long? This is probably going to be real quiet though. Like, like the fan that when you go to sleep is like, and you know, you go to sleep. Like, mm. <laughs> Because you hear that fan in the background. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's a very soothing. I'm like, I can do that for a bit. Yeah. I mean, I'll still watch Nick at night, but I have that fan, that box fan, like I used to have the kid. Oh, oh, you talking about that box fan? And so they're like, no, no, it's going to be very loud. And I'm like, well, that's not good. I said, well, what if I go upstairs because I have bedrooms above that bedroom? And they say, it's going to be so loud, it's going to affect those bedrooms too. Mm-hmm. So then... I, I'm not supposed to enter my bedroom for a week, which, by the way, I don't leave my bedroom in my house. So it's basically cutting off my house. I can't sleep in the bedrooms upstairs. <laughs> for now, I'm going to try to sleep on the couch in the living room, which probably isn't going to work either. So in the end, I'll probably be moved move to a hotel for a week. Right. You never leave your bedroom. I, I, I don't leave my bedroom. <laughs> right. I, I com- come here and here, you be like, I might see you one hour the whole weekend. <laughs> and you be like, in your bedroom, hey, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. No answer. He must be asleep, but he's not asleep. He's just on the computer doing work. Work, 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 work. work, not, work that's my work. bedroom. That's my work hole. Yeah. I don't need a place that's any bigger than a tiny hotel room. Like, I really don't need, didn't need think big. I believe it. And so, anyway, that's like Batman. That's what we're going through right now is what am I going to do with my life for the next week? Uh, so, I mean, that's it. I got a text this morning from Ahmad because as soon as the show was over, I came home and tried to get a little bit of sleep because I've been 
out for the past uh, couple of days dealing with the, the, these kind of issues. And I wake up and Ahmad's like, hey, uh, can you let me in? I'm outside. Right, right. I'm sitting outside. I'm just wanting to get in the house. But if you're not there, I can just chill on the on the porch over there and watch some Game of Thrones. What time quick. did you get to my place? Probably like 8.44. Okay. And so Mike D didn't even get back over here until when? Like 10. So you, for about an hour and a half. You, but the porch is inside, by the way, <laughs> and air conditioned. Luckily, somebody was downstairs and they was like, oh, that black dude's trying to get in the building. That's cool. And I was like, cheese. You know what's up? He's like cheese, smiling. Had to show him my oh, okay. pearly whites. Yeah, right. So he was like, "You trying to come in?" I was like, "Yeah." He looked at me a little bit, and I said, "All right, thanks, man." He let me in. So you got in. Got at in. At what point did anything have to do with you being black? Like, why would that <laughs> even be brought up in this? How about you're just a dude? Well, he looked at me like I was black. But how do you know that? How do you know he looked at you like you were black? Because he was like, you know how when you get the squinty eye a little no, bit? No, I, I don't know that. Because some people you look at and you like real bright eye, like wide eye, and you like, oh, that's a cool dude. Then he looked at me like, oh, he kind of suspicious. Because you're squinty black. Squinty eye. <laughs> Maybe anyone trying to get into a place that they don't belong and uh. they don't have the codes for, oh. regardless of race, you go, I wonder what their motivation is to get into this building. Because someone tried to walk up into the radio station... Regardless, black, white, Hispanic. And I'm like, I'm just trying to get in. I'd be like, hmm, squinty eyed. Ah, uh, maybe. You might have a point. So I don't know that it was you being black. Mm. Maybe that's where I took it in my brain, though. <laughs> so Maud's here. He's here. We're playing a show tonight. <laughs> We're playing, uh, the Raging Idiots are playing something called Guitar BQ. And by the time you hear this, it'll probably already be over. But we're playing guitar barbecue, which is we weren't supposed to do the show to begin with. Like it was, uh, it's a big charity show, and the reason we did finally get involved is because of the charity. It's because St. Jude, and we, you know, love St. Jude and do so much for them. But guitar barbecue happens, and so they've got a lot of uh, artists that are playing the show, and it's it's kind of weird on a bunch of levels. First of all, we're like sandwiched right in the middle of a bunch of great artists. We're not a great artist group. Like we're just ridiculous. No, I don't think we are that great, but people have fun. Right, but this is a show where you're going to be surrounded by really great artists. And it's not like they put us up front. You know, they put, you know, uh, new people up front, like Chris Lane. He's got number one hit right now. No, he's the first. Randy Clark, uh, really good. John Party, have a number one song next week, Head Over Boots. Mm. It's third. Then we go after John Party, so we'll be fourth, only followed by Dustin Lynch and Kip Moore. And so everybody's playing for 30 minutes. And it's like, we come out, we're not going to try to win vocalists. These guys can really sing, so we're just going to go nuts. But we're opening for them, though. It's not really an open. If anything, we have four people playing before us. I mean, if anything, everybody's opening for Kip. But, I mean, Kip's not the strongest headliner for something like this. Right. Because the place is big. So then you feel like people would be looking at us like we, we, I, we're know, less talented. Oh, no, no. For sure less talented, but we got to be super crazy. Like That's the point we got to make up for. It. Like when, when we do Raging Idiot shows, people love them because then people like know what to expect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we, well, we're only playing 30 minutes, too. So by the time we, we're just getting into our groove, we got to get off stage. Mm, you're right. So what song do we start with, though? Like that's a question that I've been going through. Because some people, they'll be like, Who is, why, why are the people even playing 
I mean, he might as well hit him with the Starbucks at the beginning. Can't start with that because we all need our instruments to start. Like we need to play. Okay. And do you want to? And everybody else is, you know, if we're gonna say we're not gonna take ourselves seriously, then we should start with like a cover because nobody likes to do covers because everyone thinks it's uh, who wants to do a cover because I'm original. So I was thinking like we start with Beastie Boys and just freak everybody out. Oh, I mean, that would be always a good start. Beastie Boys, you got to fight. Mm. Go Beastie Boys, and then when I grow up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll hit them hard because they get all hyped, and then they'll be like, all right, I, hear, I heard what the Raging Idiot is talking about. Because who plays Beastie Boys anymore? Nobody, but everybody still rocked the Beastie Boys, though. They still know it. So right now I'm leaning toward that. Beastie Boys, then when I grow up, then Devil went down to Georgia with Natalie Stovall. Then we do a thing like pentatonics. It's called the Panasonics. It's like the bad version of pentatonics where we go all acapella. We throw that at them. Oh, where we make the face, uh, like vocals up with our whole like voices, like yeah, instruments. That's, yeah, that's acapella. No instruments. We just oh, okay. boom, 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 boom. Like that. Boat. Do your part. Go ahead. Boat. 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 Oh yeah, she really take me money. Okay, cool. So it's the whole thing. Now. But there's like oh, okay. seven of us doing it, and we're all making. And my part's not even that. My part is she really digs on me. Boom, boom. She really digs on me. I like that part of it. Boom, she really digs on me. Boom, boom. She really digs on me. Boom, boom. So we're playing that tonight. Okay. Um, we're gonna hit him with that little Panasonic. Then we'll do Starbucks. Then we'll probably do Every Day's a Good Day. Then we'll probably do Ah, uh, Ah, uh, All Right. That Lindsay uh, L song. Uh, uh, oh, that's a good one. That's a good that's one, a right? One. That's a catchy one. So that's tonight. And it's, we weren't going to play the show. You going to hit with that Purple Rain, too? I don't think I have time. No? Okay. We have 30 minutes. Because uh, you got Natalie on there, too. We'll right? see, though. But again, we only have 30 minutes. Right. And okay. as long as Lindsay gets a song, Natalie gets a song, the Reggie gets to get a couple songs. That's it. Set's over. Right. So you hit them with everybody. That's, yeah. yeah. Uh, we are playing this event tonight, and we got added kind of late because they needed to sell tickets. I don't think tickets were selling super great. And they were like, "Hey, we come on so what? Why are you give me side eye?" <laughs> Damn, tickets ain't selling so. They were, what? They're doing okay. I think I just think the venue was a little too big. I think they got like my grandma. used said their eyes are bigger than their belly. Damn. Okay. And so, but I think they're doing pretty good now. They, you know, when they put up that when they put up that bat sign, that Bobby sign. I don't know if that's the case. I think it helped. Gotham City. I think it helped. I think that. I think it helped. Our people are just so loyal to us. Oh, like so. Let us Our people are so loyal to us. I don't even know why, but like we played in Fort Wayne. We we played for two hours. Because people kept wanting us to play. Man, talk like, about oh. that fun show. We just take our phones out and start learning songs as we go. Oh. <laughs> yes. I mean. If it, like, if it wasn't for St. Jude and if it wasn't, like, our people are just so loyal to us. I, and I was like, I know people buy tickets as soon as we go up because it's for a good cause. We're happy to be involved. But it's just weird being surrounded by all the real artists because we don't consider ourselves, like, 
a legitimate musical act. We're more of an entertainment show. Right. But isn't it all about entertainment it, anyway? It is, but most entertainment is because you're a good musical act. Like, I consider myself the puffy of the Raging Idiots. Take that, take that, take that. Like, I bring together all the good talent. Okay. Because I don't think I have what they call lead singer disease. I don't have to sing lead singer all the time. But Puffy did put out a bomb album, though. No and, way you out. You know what? And so did I. You're, <laughs> you're right. You're right. But but once everybody gets up there, I don't care who sings. Right, I right. Might, I might sing a third of the songs. I feel you. I mean, I witnessed. I saw it. It's been weird for Ahmad because Ahmad was just coming to hang out on the road with us for four or five shows. Yeah, more than that even. He, I was he, just would, just, he would just fly in and just uh, hang out. And surprise you guys sometimes. We would know he was coming to shows. He'd be like, "Hey, what's up?" We're like, "What? Wait, what? we're in Washington D.C. Why are you here?" <laughs> He's like, I'm just, "Just come, come and hang out." And so I was like, "Hey, put up a microphone, just sing background." And he was like, "Really?" Like, yeah, just sing, you know. Ooh, you know at the ooh. Ryman, actually. Yeah, the, the first one the you first said. Time at the Ryman. <laughs> That's right. We played this whole that Ryman. I was like, "Hey, well, I know you never sang before, but just get here and sing back up for us." <laughs> That's how we do anything. And he's like, all right. And, you know, it's like, ooh, baby, I love your way. Just, you know, let's give a little bit of something like right. that. Ooh, baby, I love your way. Make it now, every day. Now, Ma's like part of the show. Like, you might as well be on the album cover. <laughs> Man, all I was like, you want me to go on this legendary country stage and dance and sing Starbucks with you, hip hop. Okay, that's weird. I never thought I would be doing that. Strange. Starbucks. I be filling up my cup on the rhyming stage. I be filling with my cup. <laughs> so uh, we're playing tonight. We are. I got a lot of messages after the first uh, Bobby cast. Like, hey, you didn't mention Nada um, when I was talking about everybody on the show. And I guess a lot of that comes from we were talking about people that got written about in the book and people that didn't. And Carlos, who used to work on the show, doesn't work on the show anymore. And what happened with that? And Nadia got left out of last week because she kind of didn't fit in that conversation. Oddly, uh, we talking about we talking about <laughs> talking about Carlos right now. I talked about last week. Wow, what were we talk about? You should listen to the Bobby Cast episode one. Oh, wow. All I said was it's tough to be a boss and a friend. Okay. At the same time, Bobby Cast gets that realness. It was yeah. Well, because people ask about it, and I've answered the question ten times. And first, people were like, why didn't you write about Carlos in the book? And I was like, I don't write about anybody that didn't make the move in the book. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't put Erica in the book. I didn't put Nada in the book, who's part of the show now. Right. I didn't put Carlos in the book. And then people were like, what happened with Carlos? And I was like, basically, Carlos was a really great friend and a good worker, but Ray simply outworked him over the period of a year, a year and a half. And I had to choose one person to move that was better for the entire show, like who the, the better at that job was and I had to choose Ray and it was really hard because I didn't know Ray and Ray wasn't like a really close friend he had just been an intern right. but he was dominant at his job and so for the best interest of the show I had to bring in the best person and so Ray came and Carlos stayed and kept a job in Austin and so then I said how Carlos left and Mike D took Carlos's job and the plan was always hopefully eventually to bring Carlos to Nashville if we could find a spot for him well Carlos left and Mike D goes in and then we do end up finding a spot, and we move Mike D over, over to Nashville. Ah, I felt that. So it was just, I mean, the honest part. Like, Carl's a really good dude. But he didn't really have that, like, big ambition to go further or what? I don't know what's in his heart or his head, but I know Ray is nuts. 
and Ray will like work a hundred hours straight. And as an intern, Ray just outworks everybody, and mm-hmm. you should be rewarded for that. I thought that, especially way. when everyone else is being affected. Like what Ray does affects Amy, Lunchbox, everybody's paychecks, and you just have to put the best people in the best situations. And so that that's what I explained last week. Okay, I had never heard that. Okay, that Bobby cast getting real. Y'all getting that realness. Well, just we don't get to talk as long form during the morning show because we got to play a song. Yeah. Then we got to do a commercial, and most people don't care about Carlos if they're not Austin or Wichita because mm, right. all the we have a uh, hundred cities now. They don't even know who that is. Right. But with the, with the podcast, you can talk about whatever you want. And if somebody don't want to hear, it, they just turn it off. It's not like the ratings or anything. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But no, I got. I mean, nothing. I have not. I have zero negative things to say about about Carlos. Right. Like was a good friend. Because back in Austin, we used to go hard. All of us, all right. the time. But it was just sometimes it sucks being a boss and a friend because you have to tell your friends tough things sometimes. You think you took it personal? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Why you say? I mean, it's, that's a, the normal thing to do. Right. It's the human thing to do. It's harder to not take it personally when someone who's in your life personally is telling it to you. Mm. And it was like, it, it's like you're not getting fired, but. The show is moving to Nashville, and you're going to stay and produce here. No pay cut, nothing like that. But uh, Ray is taking the spot, and here's why. And it was it sucked. And if I was a boss that wasn't friends with everyone, it would have been much different. Cause I just could have said A, B, C, D. Here's your job. We're out. But it wasn't. It was tough. Had he tried to reach out to you after that? Nah, not really. Mm. He'd tweet sometimes. Some people would tweet him, but and I just felt like it wasn't an issue to bring up. I don't want to bring it up and like put his business out there. So I just didn't, just didn't say anything in respect to him. But then he was tweeting about it and I was like, Ugh. I think I saw a couple of those tweets too. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, if you want to bring it up, I'll at least address it. Mm-hmm. And I have a few times like on Facebook Live and stuff, but never on the radio, like yeah, radio, yeah. radio. Because again, I still think the dude's a great dude. Yeah. But it would have been hard to not take it personally. If one of your friends says, hey, you know, you're going to stay here and we all have to go. Mm-hmm. And because this person has done, but again, look at Ray. What if you're Ray and you're working your brains out and you've worked for a year for free and you've dominated and done three times the work as whomever else, any producer there, and you didn't get picked to go. Like he, he just simply worked his way into where he is now. Right. So, uh, yeah, like I say, it's hard to be a boss and a friend and most of the time, I just get to be the friend. 85% of the time, I get to be the friend. 15% of the time, it's tough when I have to pull somebody in a room and say, this isn't working, you can't do this. Or I guess we talked last show cast. Um, those are the guys working the, uh, my bedroom right now, if you hear oh. them yelling in the background. Um, is that, um, I don't even know. Most of the time, it's trying to be just a boss and a friend. But let me ask you this. Yeah. So... Being a boss plus a friend, how do you even direct people without offending people? You can't worry about it. There's just a line. And Amy's the absolute best at accepting that line. And Amy's my best friend on the show. Eddie's climbing up there because we're together so much. But but Amy's probably who I'm close. It's close between those two. It's hard even now just to say it's straight Amy because Amy and I have been so close for so long. Uh, but Eddie and I just spend so much time together. Um, it's just, okay... We're great friends, but I also have to run a company, and the company is our morning show on 100 affiliates, 
that bills a bunch of the money for we have to make revenue and you know it's all fun and games but you have to understand when i have to be the boss it's i have to be the boss and if it's if you're coming in and amy's great about going okay you can't do this anymore you know you can't do this there we'll get research in and it'll say these segments aren't working that well and uh she's great about the separator of the two everybody else has problems sometimes Feels like, how can you be my friend? And then say, you got to stop doing this. Cause, but people come to me like Rod, my boss, is a, a good friend. But there's, a, there's friend time and I know there's boss time where he has to put the boss hat on and be like, okay, this is not good. Uh-huh. So fix it. And I'm like, got it. Like, I understand it. But I don't think that I expect anything from any single person on my staff that I don't expect from myself double. You expect a lot from yourself. Like, I'm for sure leader by example. Do you uh, do you feel like that you explain a lot of things that you want to happen to your friends as a boss? Sometimes I feel like clear? sometimes I want them to uh, find their own groove, and if they can't find their groove naturally, because everything's natural, because nobody's radio people, none of us are radio people, so it's not like hey, you need to do this in a radio way. Sometimes I like them to find their own way that I didn't even know they could find. I feel that's what you do. Yeah. Like everybody kind of finds their path and you go off of that and I mean, that's how we work. I like to find what people are good at and then build the roads for them because I know what Amy's good at and I know how, where she comes from the heart. So I try to put her in those spots where she's shown that she is great at and put her in situations to thrive. You know, same with Lunchbox, same with Eddie. Mm-hmm. And there are places where they, they go in places where it's not good. So I just try to keep them from there. I try to put people in the best situations for them to win. What about those hard times when like bosses have to like tell somebody exactly what they want and bosses have to like direct them and inspire them? Like, do you feel like you're good at that or no? Very occasionally, because if you do it too much, it doesn't matter anymore. You can only inspire so many times before it just becomes another loud talk. Uh It's like getting angry. Someone yells at you all the time. It's another day of yelling. But if someone yells at you once a year, you're like, holy crap, what did I do? You're right. Like, yeah. what did I do? Yeah. So it's that. You just have to choose your emotions very carefully because with me, period, in my life, it's never too high, never too low. Things are never that great. Things are never that bad as far as work goes. Uh-huh. Never too good, never too bad. And if you can maintain that middle, you're always going to be consistent. Consistency is a key. So that's the thing. I, I, I like people to find their own place. And then we build from that. And when it's time to inspire, and I'm talking about once, twice a year, if we have one of those big talks, uh-huh. it's, it's, and it's almost time to have another one of those. And it's always when it's kind of a reset for the show. Like, uh, you're getting back into it when school starts, and you, know, you have ratings happening, and, um, or you're going away for the summer. You know, but if you, do it, if you inspire every day, it's just more words. Just, uh, a, just more emotional words that just go in and out, out the other. I don't impact. Like I don't ever get angry, Mike. Do I ever get angry? No. I. I but when I do, like people are like whoa, because I don't because I don't get angry. I'm never too high, never too low. So I lead by example, and then now when it needs to be done, it's done. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've had talks with Mike and individually more than you. I don't really get everybody into a room because as a boss, you have to look at people differently and realize their temperaments are different and their emotions are different and they take uh, positive and constructive criticism uh, differently. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets talked to separately, like if we have talks. Mm-hmm. And so it's, 
that's how it is. I don't put everybody in a, in a gymnasium and get on the microphone like, give me a B. Hey, give me an <laughs> right. O. Oh. Okay. I felt that. But there are so many different managerial styles. I just decided that when I was going to put together a group of people, not a group of radio people, and people are all different, you have to handle people different. Dang, that's got to be tough as a friend and a boss. It's the, it's the biggest struggle of the show, of being a friend and a boss, because I can't bring someone in that's not my friend. Like, nobody comes through the walls that's not my friend. And people ask about Nada, which is where we were. Um, the thing with Nada, I didn't know Nada. I never hired Nada. We were here for a year. I still didn't hire Nada. But what happened, and Nada is my friend, just like Ray did, uh, Nada showed up on her very first day and was like, hey, I'm here to help. But she had never been on the radio. She had only done digital, like worked on the web stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like built web graphics and stuff. And so she was like, hey, I'm going to help web graphics. You guys are a new show. So she would come in in the morning. Then she'd come in again the next morning. Then she'd come in the next morning. I'm like, I can't pay you. Like, we don't have a budget. She would do it for free? For a year and three months. A she year came, and three months, Nada came in and She was came doing... in every day for free. And then none of that did the rest of her job all day long. Like, she had a real job in that building doing digital. What was she trying to prove? Nothing. She was just wanted to... She enjoyed being a part of the show. Wanted to be a part of the show after she was there for like a month. She was like, this is a great environment. And I can do it. And I realized her importance and how good she was. So that's, where, that's what happened. So she worked for over a year and then how do I not go to bat for somebody that isn't? And another thing is, too, and I don't mind saying this here, I've taken money from my pay, my contract, and passed it out to our show. Mm-hmm. Because there'll be times whenever th- there aren't raises like on our level of the company. Like, it's like we're not, there are no raises, right? There's no, you know, whatever the fiscal, I don't even know what's happening, but it's like we don't, you know, no, no raises. Mm-hmm. And in contracts, you sign contracts, and that's just what you get. You don't get raises after you sign a contract. Like if I were to sign a contract for five years, unless the raises are built in, you don't get a raise because you just signed a contract. And when I signed a contract, my first one is a five-year contract. And I'm a few years into that, but I don't go and ask for a raise inside of a contract because I've already signed a contract and that tells me what my raise is going to be already. So I don't go to them and go, you know, I signed this deal, but is there any way maybe you break me off a little extra? (laughs) That's not how it works. Right. But what I've been able to do is take my money that I've been paid, and if people are deserving, take it and go cut it off of mine and put it into them. Mm. How do you feel like they're deserving? How do you tell? How do you how do you say? Do you tell it? Do you do you divvy it up all the same time? If you're giving one person a raise, you give everybody a raise, or you just no? Because I don't think the world's like that. Oh, like I think whenever, I, like. After, you know, this is Ray's first ever radio job. He was an intern until he moved here, and he was getting paid nothing. It was his first ever job, mm-hmm. and he was coming in as the audio producer, and he was getting paid very, very little. And he signed a contract, because you have to sign a contract, meaning so you don't run off to another radio station. And so he had signed a contract, and he wasn't getting paid, so I was like, all right, you deserve, you deserve more than your contract right now. So I'm going to take in some of my money that's my salary and give it to you and i've done that to pretty much everybody on the show if they're if i feel like they've worked into it but i gotta tell you the truth is i signed a contract when i moved here and i outperformed my contract according to my bosses pretty quick and they were like okay rip it up new deal 
and I signed a new deal. Oh, they they let you. They do came it? to me. Wow. So, I think people. I always believe in paying people what they're worth, and sometimes over what they're worth. If in the long term, like it makes them feel respected, and it keeps them working harder. I feel you. So, th- th- I mean. I mean, I feel like this is like business philosophy that could probably prove wrong in 10 different points, but it's how we work. But I never got tired of doing a morning show. It's like I never went to someone and said, hey, can you teach me how to do a morning show? Right. I started doing it. So I don't know anything other than what I know. And my show doesn't know anything other than what they know and what I know. So it's not like we have... And I, and I say this in the way of that it's not... like We don't know a lot of things because we weren't, haven't been exposed to a lot of things. You know, there's some great morning shows out there, like Elvis Duran, who worked with some great morning show people. Uh, like uh, Charlemagne worked with Wendy Williams, and she was doing morning. Like, he learned things from these people. I don't crap. And I think sometimes why the show comes off is really rough and uh, not polished, but at the same time, that, that's what makes us different as well at the same time. That makes sense. I know what you're talking about, because sometimes I'm like, that don't sound like a Charlemagne Breakfast Club type thing to say, but... Well, we're not Charlemagne and Breakfast Club, though. Of course not. They hip-hop, you country. I feel you. And it's weird that Charlemagne and I are probably the closest to of all the talent and all the iHeart. Uh-huh. Like, the hip-hop and the country show, we go on each other's shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I did see that interview when you was on there. They was trying to grill you about uh, saying what's up to, uh, what's her name? Angela. Angela They were trying to grill me on anything, but you can't grill me. Like, I just say what I feel. Right. Like, Deion Sanders said to me, Say what you see. That's all you can do. If you always just say what you see, then you have to worry about lying because you've always just said what, you know, you can't count on a lie if you're always telling what you see. Right. They got a little bit more fresh Bobby there. They Bobby had the hat sideways on that. He had a little slang. A little slang. Yeah. 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 Bobby Bones, you know. I, like, I don't oh. think that's true with the you know. Oh, oh no. <laughs> I think this is like when you thought the guy thought you were black so he wouldn't let you in the building. Hey, go like, look we, up the interview when Bobby was it, doing it. It was a good interview, club. too. Yeah. It was a good one. But I will say this about my hat when I wear it a little bit sideways. Do you know why I wear my hat sideways? Yeah, because Eminem does it. No, that's not why. I don't care about Eminem. Oh. When I have my big black glasses on, oh, sorry, my big darker glasses on. <laughs> see? see, I, I want to say now, when I have my big black glasses on, I can't wear a normal hat down because it hits the glasses. So I got to turn it just a bit so it, so I can at least pull it down to normal hat level. Okay. So I don't do that when I'm wearing like these small glasses. Okay. I feel you. And that's why I wear my hat backward a lot of times if I'm on stage with those big glasses. So I don't look like I'm trying to be Eminem on stage. Oh. So it's really just a... Wow. I wear big glasses. It's for functionality. See, everybody always wants to assign roles to people, what they're trying to do. <laughs> Man. That's not even the case. I was just saying, just so happened when I saw him on Charlotte Bang, his hat was down Because I had big glasses on. But I had seen you a lot of times before you went on Charlotte Bang, and I never saw your hat down low like Jay-Z. It wasn't down low like Jay-Z, though. But it was like to the side a little bit lower than it normally was. Okay. Whatever you want to think. Okay. That was a fun interview, and they went places <laughs> that, you know, no interviewer has ever taken me. I liked it. It was fun. Y'all should check it out and, if y'all don't hear that. Yeah, it's on a Breakfast Club's website. And then, uh, but y'all, I mean, I don't think I got crazy slang, but I do feel like a little bit, it's like when I go, I'll give you an example. I go back home, my southern accent comes out. Uh-huh. I already have a southern accent. 
But if I go back to Arkansas and I see my family a little bit, I talk, start talking like this a little more. You know, it's just how I talk. <laughs> okay. This is just how, you know, you go back home and you talk like this. It's like your eyes are your eyes and we get some watch powers and you, you know, go town. You know, that's how I grew up talking. I went two years of speech pathology. I still haven't shaken all my accent, but I lost a lot of it because I knew that to be on the radio, I'd have to be in a lot of places. Now, where I grew up, there were some white folks and there were some black folks. So I feel, and I feel the most comfortable around black people. Mm-hmm. Like, and so just like when I'm back home, it felt kind of like I was back home again. And mm-hmm. so it was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just kind of slide a bit into my back home accent. Okay, because y'all was giving me a hard time when I was ordering edamame. No, and, no, no. Here's the difference. No, I mean? no, no. Here's the difference. So here's I don't think that's different. It though. is different because where I grew up, I grew up with a lot of black friends. And you go up with a lot of black friends, you hang out with your friends, you start talking like your friends a little bit. Now, I didn't do it a lot because I was a little white kid, but you were talking to a waiter that was Asian. Uh huh. And you said, Japanese. I like, okay, yeah, Asia. Okay, that's yeah. fine. He said, <laughs> You never lived in Japan. And you were trying to speak Japanese. So he, and he was like, What would you like? And Amat said, I like some miso soup. And I'm like, I'm no. not. I said, Paul, you can't do that. You hey. did that yes, he, no, he, yes, he did that. And I, and I called him out on the table. And I was like, you can't do that. That's not the same thing. Like when I was hanging with Charlemagne and Envy and Angela, uh-huh. it was kind of like I was back home again. So I think it kind of slipped back into how I used to be in high school a bit. But that was kind of like you was talking like them. So they. I was understand. talking like them. I was talking like I felt comfortable talking. It took me back to how I used to probably talk a bit. Uh, okay. You never used to talk like you were Japanese. Well, yeah. I mean, my sister, she was in the Navy, so I went to go visit her in Okinawa one time, and they was talking like that, and yeah, I was like, oh, long? I feel for you. Like, for how long? It was like two oh. months. Okay, I mean, for, it was, you know, for So like, I got that Asian... Like 10... I got that Asian it's slang. Not, but it's not the same thing. From that. It's not the same thing. But that's like if I go to a, like a real Mexican restaurant, I'll sometimes I'll order in Spanish. It's, you feel you, me? Yeah, but for you, it's not no, the same. You feel me? It doesn't work for you. You feel me, Just because you went to right. Japan one time right. for 10 days. But the waiter was like, he kind of respected me for No, that. he did not. Because I got no. my food first. And everybody <laughs> yeah, else. You, you yeah, ordered first. No, no, because I was like. Did you order first? Let me get that miso soup. Did you order first? <laughs> I ordered first, okay. but everybody didn't even get their food And it was also that. soup. And you got the soup first, which is probably just the big bowl of soup back there. And he poured something else in because he talked. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I feel like he was like. There oh. are times though when I call an Asian restaurant and you want to talk in the accent because the answer and it's really thick, and I don't want to do the accent because I don't, I don't. Bad guy, Bosnian racist. Okay. But they're like, I'll do it like, um, um, like Kermit the Frog. Okay. The Kermit the Frog answers. <laughs> okay. Hello, Kermit the Frog here. Uh, thanks for calling for Chinese food. I want to be like. Oh, but like some uh, chicken and chicken, please. You know? So, but just insert whatever accent you're calling from, uh-huh. regardless if it's Indian food or Chinese. But you do feel that need. But Ahmad did it so blatantly in public. Uh. I was stunned and I yelled, Ahmad! But it wasn't anything wrong. And his face got red. It. Now, if it wasn't wrong with it, why'd your face get red? But. But my face is brown, so you can't really see no, that. No, yo, so. your face definitely got red. But I was saying, why would you even say that if. You- I didn't think anything wrong with it. That waiter didn't think anything was wrong with it. You I don't know. Like, it. Now, the waiter was just like, he was, it was his first day. <laughs> okay. If you think that. And so why is it racist if you make an accent? I don't think it is, but it's like, why even? Because if one person starts going, that's racist, it wasn't worth the, wasn't worth the joke. I feel mm-hmm. yeah. Like, it's just not something. It's like we used to do street things all the time. 
like uh, stunts on the streets. Yeah. All the time. And it became, if we do 15 stunts and 14 of them are successful and we get in bad trouble for one, it wasn't worth it. So we just stopped doing them. Mm. And so there are things that just aren't worth it because if just one time someone goes, that's racist, or if someone goes, that's dangerous, or you get in trouble, or you get a it's just not worth it. So a lot of it's picking your risk spots, and it's just not worth it. Like for me to make that joke on a podcast, which is going to, there's no reason for me to make that joke on a podcast and put it out there for someone to cut up and go listen to him be a racist. Uh. So I just do Kermit the Frog. Right. But I wouldn't think it was a joke. It would just be you imitating what you heard. Fair enough. But it only takes one person. To think that. And to start saying that. Uh. You don't want to be called a racist. And listen, I, I mean, yeah, you know what I hear people say? I ain't a racist. I'm going to tell you, I ain't a racist. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so it, it's, just, it's just not worth it. I never say I'm not a racist. That's what I'm saying. I don't say it either. I it's never like, say you that. You know what I never say too? And I'm always one of my best friends. I never go, I got a black friend. People who say that, <laughs> you told me that one. Yeah, people who say that are always like the people that are like, right? Why you gotta highlight the fact that you got a black friend? Why can't you just have a friend? Right. But Ahmad does bring a lot of self racism on himself. Oh, you think so? Oh yeah, for sure. That's just what I see in life, though. I think you see it in a lot of ways that I don't see it. Obviously, we're from different places, but mm-hmm. a little bit, just a little bit. Uh-huh. Like, I don't come from a completely white town full of all white people where we had classes and we just studied about white things. Okay. We go to places like Alabama, University of Alabama. Mm -hmm. And Ahmad's like, I can't even walk outside. Everywhere I look, people looking at me like, why is this black guy doing here? I'm like, there are 10,000 other black people walking around campus. (laughs) But Ahmad is also super ripped up. So they could just be seeing Oh, it's not the fact that he's black. It's the fact that he's built like a great God. God. I don't know about that. I think they look at me because they like another person looking at me with a different skin color. I'm going to say Caucasian. And I'm be like, why he got to be looking at me like that? But Bobby's right beside me. Why he not looking at Bobby? Why can't they look at you? Because you are built like not. You're a monster. You're like a bodybuilder. If you walked by and you had a tank top on, I would stare at you. And I'd be going, dang, that dude's cut up. And you'd be going, this dude's looking at me because I'm black. <laughs> It'd be two different things. <laughs> That's what I think. Right. But you, you shouldn't all the time. Interesting. Maybe y'all shedding light on something. But I have the same I have the same problem, not about race, but probably with I think how maybe girls will perceive me. Because I think every girl's like, oh, this guy, a nerdy, ugly dude. I see what you're saying. But do I is that really what's happening? Probably not all the time. Sometimes probably. Or some people probably looking at you going, uh, I wonder what this black dude's being. Uh-huh. Occasionally. Probably more than occasionally. Okay, well then probably more than not girls looking like, oh, I've never that guy's ugly. Uh, I don't know about that. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know about that. We live in America. Checkmate. <laughs> Checkmate. I don't think so. I'm just saying, there's some similarities there. Similarities. Not exactly correct. We asked Charlemagne about that when we talked to him later. Do you, Ahmad did not like Charlemagne for the longest time. Because <laughs> Charlemagne, he was always talking negative, and that's what he was getting his, his following from, like a negative not conversation negative. about somebody. Talking, uh, Putting people on spots. Right. But he was like attacking people like when he attacked Kanye. He wanted to get a rise no, out of people. He, he went after Kanye because he felt like nobody goes after Kanye. And there were many things he wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And so he just said, here's what I want to know. And it wasn't an attack. It was just, 
what everybody wanted to ask him. You don't go after people. You don't get. You don't go at people to get a rise out of them. Charlemagne intentionally goes at the. I think the, once he sees that he can, people are weak enough to get a rise. But listen, me saying that talking about Charlemagne doing this would be so hypocritical because I do. I get rises out of people too. You just talking about in different ways. Different level. Different. Different type. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel you. But then now, I mean. Would you say you're a fan now? I mean, I wouldn't say I was a fan because he's your homie. Like, one of my best friends. Then I would be like... And if one of my best friends is another best friend, I'm like, okay, they're my friend too. Friend of my friend is my friend. So that's why I would like, be I like... Like, I have a picture in my hallway of Charlemagne and I together right. doing a broadcast together because to me it means a lot because it's like one of the... Ri- and now we've done each other's shows so many times and you're not going to meet someone more honest in the whole world. It just, period, good or bad, than Charlemagne. Like, he's just going to say how he feels. All the time, at dinner or on the radio. And so I respect that, and I think it's kind of why we bonded with each other. That y'all speak on the truth at all times. We try to be as authentic as possible uh-huh. all the time. As genuine as possible. And we both have, I, I wouldn't say weaknesses, but we, we both have areas that we rely on each other for help. We call each other. What does he rely on you for? Probably, uh, I wouldn't say relies the word, but he'll call me like, hey, it's this business thing, we, should I handle this? Because you're a little bit more business savvy than he is. You, I wouldn't say savvy is the word. I think I've just done it. I started and had to build my own company from the very beginning. Uh-huh. And he came up a different way. He came up as a side like person for Wendy. Got his own. Was really good at that. Got his own show. You know, started show here. Like I was, I was writing contracts at 21 years old. So I've known how to do that stuff by doing it wrong and failing. Mm. And I can give advice that way. But for me, I'll be like, listen. Um, an example recently was I did an interview and I got in some trouble for it. And I was like, hey, read this and tell me what you think, like where I should have, what comes off wrong to you. And he read it and was like, this is what I probably would have done. Um, I'm not you, but just looking at, and I look to his opinion for that. So I think we rely on each other in a lot of ways. Like I look, okay. I look for him whenever I'm, it starts to pull, I, I get pulled back from keeping it 100% real. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, I, gotta, I just have to be honest all the time. And if I feel like, Something is starting to inside of me not feel that way. I'll call him and be like, listen, I'm not feeling something. And he gives me that kind of inspiration to be like, it doesn't matter. You just have to be real because once you're not, nobody's ever going to trust you again. And I feel the same way, but sometimes I need that kick in the butt. I'm like, I mean, I was trying to figure out, so you rely on him for inspirational type stuff. I just see we're very similar in many ways. And so he'll he'll do something, and I'll be like, all right, how'd you do that? Or I'll do something to be like, dang, how'd you do that? Uh-huh. Now he's writing a book, about to announce soon. And he called, we talked multiple times, because I just, just went through the whole process. Right. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk business. He'll call me like, hey, what do you think about this? And then uh, for me, I'll be like, hey, I got this artist that I really can't stand. But they got a huge record, and I'm getting pressure to do this. And everybody wants, and he's like, he just... Listen, you're getting pressure, but you got to keep it real. Like, do what's in your heart, regardless of what anybody's saying to you. But you're always going to do what's in your heart. I, I, I feel like 98% of the time, I, I do. Uh-huh. Sometimes pressure from places start pushing on you, even from your own bosses at times. Pressures. There are pressures. Because like, you never get pressured. And sometimes he's like, you can't let the pressure get to you. The only okay. pressure you should have is within yourself. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and, and I do that, and I get the reset. I think we all need somebody like that we can rely on. That makes sense, yeah. 
So, yeah, at first I was like, I don't know. I don't like the way he treats people. I don't like the way he try to interview people. But now I'm like, if he's Bobby's friend, obviously he legit. So, whatever. He cool. Where am I? Uh, my room. Yeah, this is the second ever. Bobby, how you feel about this? Feel good? <laughs> feel just re- hanging out at Bobby's house, talking. How's it? Because you and I have been friends. Uh, and people ask how we met. I, remember, I, I guess I was uh, working out at 24-Hour Fitness. I was probably... 22 mm-hmm. in Austin, yeah. And I was probably benching like 325 one day, and I was, <laughs> I, 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 oh, I was hitting no. it hard too. And Mike came up, was like, Dang, was like, can, I, can I work out with you? It was like 115. And I, I was like, Ah, you know, I like to keep it heavy. And he's like, Oh, okay. I said, Okay, that's what's up. And so I think I had really like 25s on each side. You know, it was for sure 25s. And I was like, He, he pushing weight. Like, I, was trying, <laughs> I was really trying hard, I was he trying hard, hard, but I wasn't that good at, at it yet. And so, um, uh, I hired a mod to be my trainer, and so he trained me for a few months. Yeah, and then we started hanging out, and then oh, man, talk about hanging out. Then we became buddies, and then friends. I mean, in that order, because I'm tough to warm up to. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. I mean, I wouldn't. I would disagree with that. I mean, you was always cool. Like you was always chill. Like I was like, that's just a regular dude. He was always chill, funny, making jokes that you always are right now. Same at. Same thing, same as you do right now. Appreciate that. Yeah, it was the same. See, maybe my perception my, is wrong. I felt that. See? Yeah, that's true. Maybe, I feel you. Maybe it's wrong. I mean, I feel you, but I, f- I feel like people be looking at me like, watch out for the black dude. But <laughs> <laughs> and I always feel like people be like, uh, look at the, like girls be like, oh, look at the nerdy guy. Or, you know, what I get a lot is people that don't know me in the industry or around Nashville. Like, I did such a dick. Look at him standing over there by himself. You know why I'm standing by myself? Because I feel awkward. Uh-huh. I, don't feel, I feel awkward in these places. Uh-huh. Like, I don't do well in social situations, so I'm not Mr. Life of the party. That's something that I did not figure out until later on that you were really, like, anxiety-ridden. I don't, it makes me nervous. And yeah. my heart beats, and I don't sleep. And I'm, around people, I'm like, what do I do? I don't have good communication skills like outside of a microphone. Yeah, that was hardcore for me to realize. I was like, wow, he's just like standing in the corner. Why is he not just chilling out like with everybody else? Why is he not just talking? And you was just like in the corner the whole time. And so a lot of people look at me and they go, well, he's black. And I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> just <right>. anxiety ridden. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's again, I, I think people get that perception of me uh-huh. and uh you know it is what it is you can try to shake it the best you can and i think i've gotten better at it right that's like a, a chick that you see and she's just like all beautiful and whatever and she's you're like oh around. i bet she's a, such a bee exactly and she's probably like the nicest person ever and you miss out and you're like dang but really we all go oh she's pretty she's probably a bee mm-hmm. you're but right. really it's not fair but i think what we're talking about is very human i think we all have these in our brain, we assign roles to people without going into them any further. Yes, we need to stop that. Until today, I didn't even know you were black. That's the funny thing. I had no idea. <laughs> Dog, that's crazy. I had no idea. Because I've been black for a long time. I didn't even know that. And I'm not I, even like light-skinned either. That's, I didn't know that. Like, I'm like dark, dog. I don't even, that, <laughs> it's, it, we, it's been weird to you t- for all your like, kids. I mean, you're talking about a big group of your friends. Uh-huh. Me, I was the first one, and you kind of came into our group because of me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, totally. And But then we all left. 
Right, then you guys all left. Like, I like, because I took all my friends with me. It was like, I, I wasn't taking this job in Nashville, which, by the way, I love Nashville now. I love Austin, too. Um, but I wasn't coming here without all my friends. That was, that was part of the deal. And so when I took them, it was like the troops moved out. We just took everybody and said, Whoop. Dang, hardcore. Like, all by myself in Austin. Was that weird for you? Oh, man, big time weird. I was just like, what am I going to even do on the weekends? Who am I even going to call? Nobody. Nothing. I'm not going to do nothing. Just chill at the house by myself. Well, now you're here every week. Now, or exactly. you're on the road every week. <laughs> exactly. Or you're with us all the time. You came back. You came back and got me. Has, has it been weird to watch kind of the show? Oh, man. The evolution, the growth has been crazy weird. And at first it was like, oh, man, the show's all different. When you hear from Austin and you hear here in Nashville, and you're like, oh, no, nah, they switched it all up. We don't even like it. But now it's just like regular. Everybody's still. Nothing really changed. But it sounded like it when it left from Austin. Just because you thought it was going, everyone just assumed it was going to. So, again, we went and put the label on it right. like it changed. But I've worked in many formats, even when I was doing sports. Nothing's different. Right. I'm always me. Right. It was just tough because everybody was feeling like they was giving you a hard time in Nashville and you was acting like people was like, I mean, actually, they were. They, people were pushing you, trying to push you out and stuff. Yeah, like, they were. And they still do a bit. But I've been trying to get pushed out everywhere. Like, I'm used to that. And then it did seem like you was a little bit like trying to get your groove on in Nashville, too, but you couldn't really find it at first. I don't know if I fully found it yet, but I found it a bit. Okay. A bit. Okay. You don't even feel like you found it yet. Not fully yet. Dang. I don't know that I ever will find it. If I ever do find it, I don't think that's a comfortable place for me to be. Oh, okay. But did you ever feel like you found your groove in Austin? Though? Yeah. So that was a I, great place. To I was be. there ten years, and there was there wasn't the pressures of now. Oh. You know, I, I built my own syndication company with my own money, mm-hmm. and I had no money. Like you know how, where I used. I lived in that yeah. tiny apartment. Bought my first house. Yeah. You know, I mean. That was crazy. Like Dan and Shay. We're building uh, from the ground. Uh, yeah, so you know, we yeah, started from the bottom. Now I'm here, okay. And so, are you here yet? There, though? No, never. I'll never be. So here. started from the bottom, still getting. Started from the bottom. Now I'm in the middle. Oh damn! <laughs> That's not as good a song though. See, Drake should have put that out of song. Start it. Start it. Mm. Start it. Start it from the bottom in the middle. Mm. Started from the bottom, not a whole team middle. In the middle. <laughs> Man. But, yeah, it's been a... I can't wait till you find your groove then. That's a, my, groove, my groove is not having a groove. But in Austin, you found your groove and because everybody because, loves you, you know in what? Austin. That's it, where you blew up here's, at. Here's the thing about uh, the, a groove in Austin is I got like, okay, well, this is, this is easy now. Yeah. I had done what I could do there. Like there wasn't anything else. We were number one for ten years. What I mean? There was not. There was nowhere to go. I love it in the city there, but I was told, and I won't mention any jobs. But if this person leaves, you'll go to this place. If this person leaves, you'll go to this place. And they both signed new contracts. Major, big, big people. And I was stuck. And I was like, what do, what do I do? Because I, I'm expanding the show. I built my own syndication company. That's but, what they told you when you was in Austin. If this person leaves, this yeah, person you're leaves. Gonna go here. Band, you're going to go but here. But you were stuck. But, I, but for me, I loved being in Austin, but I, it was almost impossible to syndicate from there. Especially with my own equipment. And so and they were like, hey, 
Um, and I wanted to do country anyway because, I mean, listen to me talk. I mean, when I grew up in Arkansas, it's probably the, overall the best format. I love all music. Right. Like all music. But overall, it's the best format for me to be in uh, because I can expose new artists and talented artists and put them on the radio and let them sing. You can't do that in pop. It was just difficult. I mean, you can't do and, that because there's more. I, and here's the other thing, too, is that if you want to be on a national level, you have to be in New York, L.A., or in country in Nashville because that's where all the stars are. It wasn't even about me so much. In Austin, you got people maybe that would come to the radio station once a month, maybe, and you had to beg them, and it was someone like Ashley Simpson, you know? Mm. Here, everyone is here, so I'm able to say, hey, come in. Let me, if you're new, let me let me expose you and blow you up. If you're big, let me uh, show people why you're you're as good as you are. Why would that work here and not Austin? Because because all the Austin's artists live here. Also. Every artist lives here. This is where the entire industry of country music is. Every label, every recording studio, ninety nine percent of the artists. I could just call, like I could call uh, Keith Urban and go, "Hey, dude, would you come play your blue is my favorite color on the show next week?" It would be like, sure, no problem for him to drive twenty minutes and play the show. So Austin doesn't have as many none. artists for pop. None. They have none. None. I feel you. That makes sense. And I, and at first I was like, "What if I just stay in Austin and do the country show?" And they were like, "You're just not going to get what we need you to do." And now I fully get it. I, I understand. Mm-hmm. And what's great is Nashville is also great because if I had to move to somebody somewhere, I, and I don't know, I can't even name a city that would be bad. Right. But somewhere super cold, I guess, would be awful. That's not New York. Because uh-huh. I would have moved to New York. Um, it'd be a different story. I thought that. So, anything else in your mind? That makes sense. So, I mean, who's your favorite country artist? Of all time? Darius Rucker? Well, of all time, it's Garth Brooks. Oh, that's your favorite for real? Like, of my lifetime? Oh, easy, Garth Brooks. Easy? That's the only guitar, really, I've kept in my, that, that someone gave me. Yeah. Um, easy, Garth Brooks. We gotta wrap up pretty quick. We gotta go to guitar PQ. But easy, Garth Brooks. Like, are you asking... Um, the one that you've interviewed. Like, recent? As a real person. Uh, Darius is different, though, because Darius, my first ever radio interview when I was 17. Oh, okay, yeah. And he's a friend. Like, that's my dude. I don't care if he wasn't in music anymore. He would still... We would still be in contact and text and talk about sports. And, like, that. he's just... So I'm going to eliminate him, too, because it was a prior relationship. Okay. Garth, my all-time favorite as a kid. Got to eliminate him because I was totally biased coming in. Like, I'm the biggest Garth Brooks fan, and he's been so nice to me. Uh, like, I, I really like Dirks as a person. Nice uh-huh. guy. Uh, Keith Urban, super nice. Like, the, Keith Urban's so nice that you wonder, what's, like, what, what's happening here? Like, you're always nice. Genuinely nice? Genuinely nice. And we'll, like, text me at, like, 8 p.m. and be like, hey, I just sent you a movie. You should watch it if you've never seen it. And it'll be like something weird. And uh-huh. it, it, I'm telling you. Just just to be just, nice? Or no, just, no, just because, because you feel have, like... We have this movie thing. We always talk about movies. Huh. And he's like, if you haven't seen... It started with Dog Day Afternoon. I've ne- never seen it. He's like, yeah. you've never seen Dog Day Afternoon? I was like, I've never. He's like, oh. So we have we text a lot and he listens to the show and he'll invite me out to things. But um, I don't go for the most part. But we send each other clips and movies and like this is a good anytime i ask him for anything and i don't ask a lot always there that's what's up so urban's good there are a lot urban's, there are a lot of good ones genuine genuine good ones yeah most are genuinely good not the people who are trying to get something from you no there are those two they're for sure those but th- just trying to be nice but trying to act real genuine 
because uh, they're trying to get something from there's some of those yeah but that's just the nature of the business but you know those you know yeah, who those are you can are. pick them up pretty you can, quick you can feel who they are quick very quickly is it like a weird feeling when they step in a room and are y'all getting along or no, is it because just kind of cordial or there there are a couple of artists big artists and I won't mention them I don't think it would be fair to that we just have a very good professional relationship and I love it because of that mm. It's like, if you need me, I'm there. If I need you, I'm there. But we're not really friends. Uh-huh. But you you need anything, let me know. And I'm the same way. You need anything, let me know. Big artist, too. Like, I feel you. And I, I'm great with that. I don't have to be friends with everybody. Right. I'm not here to be friends with everybody. I need to be objective and give opinions about things. And I can't do that if I'm friends with everybody. That makes I sense. try to not be friends with everybody. Like, Eric Pasley. I love that dude. Uh-huh. Like, just good dude. You know, Jansen. Chris Jansen. Some people, it's been hard to not be friends with. Uh huh. So that's it. That's what's up. We done. You tell me. All right, we done. You good? All right. I got people texting me. Let's see, Amy's texting me right now. See you tonight. Amy's coming to the guitar barbecue. Hmm. Amy's coming to the guitar barbecue. Hmm. Okay. What am I going to wear? Hey, don't wear a tank top, dude. I hate it when you do that. <laughs> I'll probably wear a tank top. No, you and can't. A little wardrobe war change. When you're dancing around a tank top. Why you hate when I wear a pe- tank top? People aren't looking at you because you're black. Just so you know, they're looking at you because <laughs> you're built like a machine. But when you did that Keith Urban impression, was that racist, though? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Thirty-four <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, I don't think it's thirty-four percent right this. I don't think so. All right, hey, thank you guys very much for uh, uh, listening to the the Bobby Cast episode two. Thank you very much, everybody, for Bobby, for Trainer Ahmad. You can find him on Instagram at Trainer Ahmad, also on Snapchat at Trainer Ahmad, and on Twitter at Trainer Ahmad. That's Trainer Ahmad. Catch him at Raging Idiot shows. Hey. Everywhere nationwide. Thanks to our producer Mike D on Instagram and Snapchat at Mike Destro. D-E-E-S-T-R-O. For Bob Bones, have a great day. This has been episode two of the Bobby Cast. And for Dusty the Dog, please spay and neuter your Nah. Gotta go. Goodbye, everyone. Bobby Cast episode two is over. The Bobby Cats, brought to you by our sponsor, No One Yet.